Thanks for listening to the City Church Podcast. This sermon is part of our series entitled Game Changer, where we learn how small choices have the potential to completely transform our lives. For more information and resources, visit www.ourcitychurch.org. All right. So we start a new teaching series today called Game Changer. I want to get into a little bit of what that's all about. Game Changer teaching series. This will go three weeks today, next week, and the following week. You're not going to want to miss any of those, really believing that uh, God has something very, very special for us over this three-week period going into Easter, going out of the sound system. There we go. Going into Easter. And, uh, and so I am really, really excited about what's going to happen here at our church, and I want to really encourage you. Uh, Be here the next three weeks and also consider applying what we talk about. We're going to be talking about some very specific challenges that give you a real opportunity for application. Now, we just did eight weeks kind of exegetically pulling apart the Sermon on the Mount's beginning of the Beatitudes and really seeing who Jesus is and what a Christian life looks like and how we live it. And that's important stuff. But then we're going to shift gears now. It's a little bit of a different teaching strategy or style, and we're going to get into to some very specific things that, uh, that we can apply. And as we get into these three things, you're going to see that there's three specific challenges that will come with each of these three things. And so the first will deal with 30 days, and the second will deal with six weeks, and the last will deal with one person. And so there'll be three different specific challenges. Now, I want to warn you from the beginning that there is a temptation to misunderstand this teaching, Okay. The temptation would be that we as human beings, especially religious people, like laws. We like to have laws in our life, like this, that, that, this. We like to have specific laws in our life. What I'm going to teach over the next three weeks are not laws, okay? These are principles, biblical principles. God is going to love you whether you apply them or not, okay? He already loves you. Okay, He's going to love you whether you apply these principles or not. But if you want to maximize what God has for your life, then these three weeks, I am telling you, will change everything. Everything. Okay? So you can turn to the person to your right and just tell them this changes everything. Go ahead. Even if you don't have somebody, you can just tell it to the chair. This changes everything, Mr. Chair. So if you have a Bible, you can go to Isaiah chapter 50. Isaiah chapter 50, and we'll start there this morning. Isaiah chapter 50. I'm going to read it today out of the New Living Translation. It says this, The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I may know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. Title of today's sermon, if you'd like to take notes, is Set the Temperature. Set the Temperature. Let's pray. God, today I pray that you change us for the rest of our lives. I pray that over the next few moments, something would shift in the atmosphere, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us. I know we each come in with different issues and problems. Let us leave more in love with you, more challenged, more full of your spirit than ever before. I just speak it out and decree right now that now is the time. This is the hour for spiritual awakening in New Haven and beyond. This is the time where your church becomes more beautiful than we've ever seen. And so we say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. 
Amen. Any basketball players in here? Any basketball fans in here? More fans than players? Okay, we got some fans. Yeah, good. I'm a basketball fan. I want to give you a little bit of basketball history because that's why you came to church today. 1970, basketball history. It was an epic time in the NBA. It was an incredible time in human history, specifically in American history. I wasn't alive, but some of you were. God bless you. And, uh, and you know, it's 1969, the year before 1970, had a whole bunch of breakthrough moments. It was the year that Joe Namath and the Jets declared that they would win the Super Bowl before the game and then did it. It was pretty amazing, pretty historic moment in football history. It was the day, it was the year, excuse me, that, uh, that Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, if you believe that actually happened, but uh, no, it did, it really did. And so he, he walked on the moon and that was an incredible change, incredible accomplishment in, in uh, the history of the world. It was the year that Woodstock happened and thousands of people gathered and things that we never thought would happen at a music festival happened at Woodstock and it was an incredible time. It was the year that uh, troops started leaving Vietnam, a change in our nation that was pretty significant and it was an era in which New York City was exploding. And for the first time in New York City basketball history, the New York Knicks had a legitimate chance at winning the NBA championship, okay? So the 1969 season started, rolled into 1970, and all of their hopes were really built upon one incredible athlete named Willis Reed. And some of you guys may know a little bit about basketball. You know Willis Reed, incredible player. That year, he was given the MVP, Most Valuable Player Award uh, in the All-Star Game, and then later awarded the MVP of the entire season. So in other words, the season, the people voted and they said he was the most valuable player the entire 1969-1970 season. So as the New York Knicks entered into the playoffs, they had high hopes of becoming NBA champions for the first time. Now they cramped, cranked through round one, round two, they got all the way to the NBA finals and they found themselves facing the LA Lakers. Now this is historic. It's May 1970. You got the two biggest, most influential cities in America facing off New York versus LA. LA was kind of the established superstar. Will Chamberlain on that team, just a, just a great player. And now the new up-and-comers, New York City, with an exploding city, with all the excitement of the city happening at that same time, find themselves just buzzing with energy and excitement coming up against the L.A. Lakers. And so what happens is the first game... Willis Reed just dominates, 37 points, 16 rebounds, wins the game, and New York starts rolling. It's looking good for New York. This series is tied up 2-2. Two to two. If you're new to basketball, you've got to win four games in the NBA championship to become a champion. So 2-2, two to two, game five, everybody's betting on New York. Everything's looking good. And right in the middle of the game, Willis Reed trips over Wilt Chamberlain's leg, falls to the ground, and tears a muscle in his leg and cannot walk. So they, let the, they, they take the MVP off the court. He hobbles to the sidelines, and he doesn't play again. New York somehow wins that game in spite of it, and then game six gets creamed by L.A. without their big superstar in the game. And so now it's game seven, back to Madison Square Garden, series tied up 3-3, and no one knows if Willis Reed is going to play. So it gets down to the final few minutes before game time. New York is warming up on one side of the court, and uh, you know uh, L.A. is warming up on the other side of the court. The fans don't know if Willis Reed is going to play. New York Players don't know if Willis Reed is going to play. And two minutes before game time, Willis Reed comes hobbling out of the locker room and the place goes nuts. Capacity crowd, Madison Square Garden, they start screaming so loud that Walt Frazier saw the guard for the Knicks and he said, I knew at that moment that we just won the game. Willis Reed walked out on court and the place was ballistic, just so excited for this guy to show up and to be playing. And so it's the only time I know of in NBA history where the other team that was warming up just stopped and went, 
and all watched as this guy came out on court. Jump ball, game begins, Willis Reed is in the game, and he scores the first two baskets. Now, you can't even imagine the energy in that room. He's got four points, he scores the first two baskets, and the place is electric, and L.A. never recovered. New York rolled over them, destroyed them, and became NBA champions for the first time in franchise history. Now, it's interesting to me that Willis Reed only played 27 minutes of that game, and he only scored those four points. So he didn't lead the team in scoring that game. He didn't lead the team in rebounds. He didn't stop Will Chamberlain. He was barely even in the game. So what did Willis Reed do that was so impactful and so powerful? Because at the end of the game, when New York was champions, they voted Willis Reed MVP, not just of the, of the All-Star game and not just of the regular season, but also of the NBA Finals. He became most valuable player. So with four points, he became most valuable player in NBA finals and so what was so valuable about Willis Reed's contribution in game 7 on May 8th of 1970 what was so valuable is that he set the temperature somebody say it set the temperature he set the temperature a little thing made such a big difference he set the momentum moving in such a direction that nothing could stop it it changed the whole dynamic of the game he set the temperature So what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks are small changes, little things that shift big things in our lives. I want to give you an example on the other side of the coin. This works both ways. Little things can make a big difference in both ways. Teresa Lepore would tell you that. Teresa Lepore in the year 2000, maybe you don't know who she is, was uh, given the task of designing the voting ballot for Palm Beach County, Florida. I don't know if you remember this, but Teresa Laporte designed a ballot that became famously known as the butterfly ballot. It was a confusing system of voting that confused so many of the voters that some have suggested that Al Gore, who was running for president, lost about 6,000 votes because of Teresa Laporte's butterfly ballot. Unfortunately for Al Gore, he lost the state of Florida by under 1,000 votes, and he lost the presidential election only by the state of Florida. So some would suggest, and I'm not taking a side here, but some would suggest that uh, one state or one county or one woman chose the president of the United States in the year 2000. Little things can make a pretty big difference. There are small decisions in your life that can shift between, shift your outcome between MVP and unemployed. Little things, little tiny things, little small changes. I'm usually the first one awake in the morning at my house, and when I wake up, one of the first things my wife asks me to do is set the temperature. We turn the heat down at night, and it's nice and cool, and so when I get up in the morning, it's cold downstairs, and so I just want to, you know, it only takes a second, but I just turn the thermostat up if she had her way up to 78, you know, but I turn it up to 68, you know, and I just turn it up, and then I go and I do my thing, but the heat of the, you know, of the furnace warms up the house, and by the time my wife and the kids get up, the atmosphere has been changed by my small action. I set the temperature, right? I set the temperature for everyone else. I don't know if you noticed the passage we started with. This is, most would say this is a messianic prophecy describing Jesus, but it applies to us in the way that we'll look at it today. It says, morning by morning, he wakens me and he opens my understanding to his will. This is interesting that the writer of this, the servant of the Lord, has a particular relationship with God. Check it out. It says that God gives him words of wisdom so that he knows how to comfort the weary. 
When does he get those words of wisdom? He gets them morning by morning, is what the scripture says. And he becomes aware of God's will for his life because he spends morning by morning listening to God. Look how David puts it in Psalm 143. It'll be on the screen. It says, let me hear in the... Say that word with me. Let me hear in the... Okay, very good. You guys are getting better. Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. And so David's saying, hey, in the morning, God, I need a revelation of your steadfast love. In the morning, I need a revelation with your steadfast love. It seems... That according to Psalm 143 and according to Isaiah 50, there's something about this early portion of the day that serves as a thermostat to set the temperature for the next 23 hours. There's something about this early part of the day. Now, I know that there's many people in here. This is the 11 o'clock service. I know that there's some people in here that aren't exactly morning people. So stay with me. Don't unplug or leave or run screaming out the door yet, okay? When you begin to walk through scripture, aware of this morning revelation, you'll notice that the vast majority of great encounters with God actually occurred very early. Let me give you a few examples. In Genesis chapter 22, Abraham is at a crossroads and God speaks to him about sacrificing his one and only son. He does it as a picture of what Christ will do later and what the father will do in the son. And God speaks to Abraham very early in the morning. That's what the scripture says. It tells us specifically in Genesis 22 that Abraham arose early in the morning to obey the command that God had given him. In Exodus 34, Moses is given the 10 commandments and the scripture says specifically that God told Moses to come up to the mountain in the, anybody want to guess? Morning, in the, you are a sharp crowd, in the morning to receive this revelation. In Joshua chapter 6, God speaks to Joshua to encircle the city of Jericho, the first city that Israel would take in the promised land, seven times on the seventh day, and he tells Joshua to arise and begin, guess when? 11 a.m. No, not 11 a.m. Very early in the morning. God confirms the call of Gideon in the book of Judges. God speaks to Gideon about being a deliverer. And Gideon is not sure whether or not he's really hearing the call of God. And so the scripture tells us uniquely that Gideon wakes up very early in the morning. And when he's up very early, the Lord confirms that in fact God has called him to be a deliverer. Most people, even if you're new to the Bible, have heard of David. How many heard of David before? David. David is pretty famous for killing Goliath. Yeah. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, you're never going to guess when it tells us in scripture that David got up that day. Very early in the morning. Very early in the morning. So what we see as a pattern here, stay with me before you pass judgment, okay? What we see as a pattern in scripture is that uh, Abraham made the decision to sacrifice his son and obey God early in the morning. Moses received the Ten Commandments early in the morning. Uh, Gideon became a deliverer and believed the call of God early in the morning. Joshua defeated Jericho early in the morning. Uh, uh, David became victorious inwardly and then stepped out and faced Goliath outwardly early in the morning. And we see it also in the Son of 
God himself. In Mark chapter 1, verse 35, he had this routine. Take a look at it. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he, that's Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. He went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And you know that in just a few weeks we'll be celebrating Easter. And if you know the story of Easter, the women got up very early in the morning just as the sun was rising. And they went to the tomb. And guess who had already beat death? He gets his death beating done early in the morning. The Son of God defeated death early in the morning. By the time they got there, he had already walked out of the grave. He got it done early in the morning. I started asking myself a question this week. I want you to think about it. What if these guys hadn't gotten up early in the morning? Just thought. What if Gideon decided, you know what? I'm going to watch a couple episodes of Breaking Bad, and I'm going to stay up real late, and uh, I'm not going to get up real early anymore. He never heard the confirmation of what God had called him to do. What if Moses said, you know, I, it's early. I want to sleep in, you know, whatever. And, and, and he just never got up and had that time with God where he gave him the Ten Commandments. What if Abraham slept through his alarm and never got up early in the morning to sacrifice his son? How different would the book be if these early morning encounters hadn't happened? See, Willis Reed only scored four points. He only scored four points. Now, they scored like 116 that game, I think. Four points is not that big of a deal. But not all time is created equal. He did those points very early in the game. They were the two first baskets in the game. And there is something powerful, something profound, something catalytic about the first thing you do early in the morning. Remember I said this is a principle, not a law. Don't beat yourself up about this. Don't think God doesn't love you because of this. But you can ignore it or you can embrace it and it will change so much. This is a game changer, a small decision that has massive implications. It seems to me that as I peruse Genesis to Revelation, I find that kings and prophets and generals and mothers and fathers and individuals and the Son of God himself all seem to work off of this principle. Pretty simple, game-changing, personal conviction. And you can jot it down today. The temperature of your day is set in the first 60 seconds. 60 minutes. <laughs> That'd be a bummer for a second time. The temperature of your day is set in the first 60 minutes. So the first 60 minutes you're awake have a power in them. They have a power in them. Now, time management people and psychologists have actually agreed with this, that people physically have a greater energy or focus the very first thing they do. But we don't need to look into time managers or psychologists to see that this is true. All we have to do is look at the Son of God himself. And he practiced this as a habit, the practice of being alone with God first thing very early in the morning. The first 60 minutes of his day set the temperature for what he experienced the rest of the day. In other words, what I'm telling you is the first 60 minutes of what you do in the morning will impact the way you talk to your boss, the way you interact with your kids, the way you deal with your spouse, the way you handle your money, the way you deal with your free time. Everything is set in your life. The temperature of your life is set by what you do first in the morning. Let me drive it home a little bit. Today, I want to look at Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and I want to show you four values today that Jesus embodied in his practice of this principle, okay? Four values that Jesus embodied, and they're all found in this one little verse. Stay with me today. Like I said, we're going to get real practical here. Y'all doing okay? Everybody's doing all right? In the balcony up there, you guys doing good? 
Okay, okay, I'm just making sure. All right, here we go. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Let's look at four principles that we see displayed in the Son of God's habits, four values, okay? The th- things that he values. As in rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Look at the beginning of that phrase, rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Value number one. I encourage you to write this down. Number one, the priority. I do this first. I do this First, value one, the priority. I do this first. Now, I know that this is a struggle for some of us. I know that this is a challenge for some of us, this I do this first thing. Let me talk to you just for a minute about the power of very early. Very early. Before the world wakes up. Before everyone else is rushing around. Before the kids are asking for your attention. Before the job is calling out your name. Before everything else in life, there is this opportunity, this moment to set the temperature. George Mueller, one of the great church leaders of the previous generation, said that uh, the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day, this has been speaking to me this week, was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was how might I get my soul into a happy state? How my inner man might be nourished? The most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the word of God and the meditation on it. And thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed. And that thus while meditating on uh, that, my heart might be brought into experiential communion with the Lord. Now, if you've been around church for any length of time, you know this idea of quiet time or morning time with God. You've probably heard of it before. But I want to take it a step farther, okay? And I want to speak to you about the priority. I do this first. Let me see your hand in the room if you have a smartphone. Smartphone. Come on. Smartphone. Smartphone. All right. A few stupid phone people. That's fine. But most of us have smartphones. 84% of smartphone owners check an app first thing in the morning. Okay, and let me tell you the most popular apps according to this. A popular app number one is email. Popular app number two is weather. Popular app number three is social media. So think about this for a second. The very first thing you do is you pick up that phone, you swipe it, and you check your email. And so what happens is you're deciding. Remember, what we're saying is there is a special power in what you do first. You have a physical, mental, spiritual advantage that you will give away to something first. And you just decided to give it away to what other people want from you. That's what Facebook, that's what email would decide for you. Or secondarily, you decided to give it away for what the weather decides for you. So what it is outwardly, which is always bad these days, decides what it is inwardly for you. It's a temperature setting moment. Or worst of all, you check social media first thing in the morning and you see all the perfect pictures of other people that were cropped and perfected in, in uh, their artistic ways. And you wonder, why am I not that skinny? Why am I not that pretty? Why don't I have that much stuff? And then you let that become the temperature setting moment of your day. Let me encourage you in an outrageous experiment. I know I'm going to step on some toes here. Crush, crush. Let me encourage you that for the next 30 days, starting tomorrow morning, you do this first. Before, I'm going to say it, exercise. Some of you are like, that's no problem. (laughs) I don't exercise anyways. (laughs) Others of you are like, no. Not be, no, no one say it. Yes, before exercise, before I eat anything, 
you won't die. Before I check my email, the world does not revolve around your email. Before I check social media, I do not let myself swipe that phone until I've made him first. For 30 days, I want to challenge you to be militant in this department to say, I do this first, first, first. I get up very early and I decide before I take a shower, before I do anything else, I do this First, I do this first, the priority. Look at verse 35. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, what did he do? He departed and went out to a desolate place. I don't know about you, but the more I looked at this verse, the more grammatically awkward that became. He departed and went out. I mean, did you not just say the same thing twice? Like, hey, let's go buy and purchase some chips, right? I mean, like, why would you say that? You just buy, purchase, them. Departed and went out. He departed and went out. There's a little nuance in the original language here that's interesting. One word means to come out of. The other word means to come off of, okay? Come out of, come off of. There's some things in your life you've got to come out of, like your bed, okay? You've got to come out of your bed. There are other things you have to come off of, like your phone. One speaks of a physical change. The one other speaks of a mental departure. So I'm coming off of all the people stuff, all the distractions, and I'm coming out of my normal circumstance, okay? I'm coming out of and I'm coming off of. We see the second value of the Son of God happens to begin with a P for memorization's sake. So first we see the priority. I do this first. And then second, the pursuit. I leave everyone and everything behind. I leave everyone and everything behind. I close the door. I cut off communication. I seek the face of God. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. Look no man in the face till you have seen the face of God. I am telling you, our entire city would be transformed if just the people at City Church began to apply this. I'm telling you, this four points has that much power. Look no man in the face till you see the face of God. James says it in the book of James. He says, draw near to God and God will draw near to you. That's an incredible promise. My hope will always be your promises for me. It's an incredible promise. He says, if you would draw near to God, God will draw near to you. Morning by morning. Morning by morning. I know some of the morning people are still struggling. Or some of the non-morning people, excuse me, are still struggling. Look with me, verse 35 again. We got four. Verse 35. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. There's your, uh, your priority. He departed and went out. There's your pursuit. 2A, say those next two words with me, desolate place. Desolate place. Yeah, to a desolate place. That's an interesting phrase. He went out to a desolate place. What is a desolate place? That's the word in the Greek that they use for wilderness, for desert. It's a place that's lonely, a place that's solitary. And here's the third value of Jesus that also begins with a P. Number three, the place. I find my desolate place. A desolate place is a quiet place, a place where no one else is, where no one else watches, where no one else can interrupt, a place where you are alone. Do you have a desolate place? When I was in college, I was so desperate for a desolate place, I had three roommates, and that was not desolate there. And so I would wake up early, and I would go down into my dorm room basement where, like, demons lived. And... Uh, crazy down there and I would go the only place I could go is the bathroom in the dormitory basement and I would cast all the demons out of the bathroom and then I would get a chair from the laundry room and I would drag it in there early in the morning and I would sit in the bathroom and just have time with God 
and I would just worship. And every once in a while, somebody would come in, and that was absolutely awkward. They'd come stumbling, and I'd be like, hey, how's it going? I'm just sitting here in a chair in the bathroom, in the basement, in the dorm. Hi. And they'd be like, you know. But that was my desolate place. That was my desolate place. It was my quiet place. It was a place where no one else was. It was my place of solitude, my place of silence. Now I have a study in my, in my house, a little room that I just go into and I just study there and I seek God's face. It's my desolate place. I have another place I go. It's a, it's a parking lot. I'm not going to tell you where because then it won't be desolate anymore. But it's a desolate place for me where hardly anybody ever goes. It's this big parking lot and there's this field that it kind of looks over. And when it's not snowing, there's grass and some trees. And it's just super quiet. Nobody's ever there. Nobody ever bothers me. And I'll just go there and I'll just sit for an hour, for 40 minutes, for 30 minutes. And I'll just be with God in the stillness of my car in that desolate place. Do you have a place? You got to find a desolate place because Jesus did. He had a desolate place. And so he made it priority. I do this first. I'm telling you, this is going to change your life. And then he has this pursuit. I leave everything and everyone behind. And then he finds the place, this desolate place. And it's there that he meets with God. And then look what it says. Rising very early in the morning. Well, it was still dark. He departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. Here's your fourth value. Uh, We're going to call it the partnership. I continue the conversation. I continue the conversation. This is so crucial. I meet with people every single week here at City Church, individuals that are struggling with this or that. And here's what I see. I see that probably the biggest concern or struggle that people have is not knowing the will of God for their life. Should I do this or should I do that? Should I do this or should I do that? And it's not like, should I kill him or should I not kill him? It's usually not that. It's like, should I take this job or not? Should I move here or no? Should I marry them or not? It's those questions of life that they struggle with. They don't know the answer. And they say, well, I don't know what the Bible says and I'm not sure. See, see, friend, what you've missed is that those questions find their answer in the cadence of morning by morning. Did you see the secret that we saw in Isaiah 50? It said, morning by morning, he wakens me and he opens my understanding to his will. See, there's an ongoing conversation that you can have with God, and he may not answer you on Monday morning or Tuesday morning or Wednesday morning or Thursday morning, but it might be Friday morning as you get alone with God morning by morning that you start to get some discernment. And so when the situations of life come your way, when the distractions of life hit you during the day, you've already heard his voice. You've already sensed his love. You've already come close to his heart. You've already set the temperature at 68. You know where you're going. And when those things come in, you can discern what he wants because you've already ready set the temperature in the first 60 minutes there is a power in morning by morning that changes everything and it cultivates this partnership where we continue the conversation where we talk day by day about what God's doing in my life morning by morning I'm telling you so many of our problems of not hearing God would be solved if you would just take this challenge today morning by morning he wakens me the partnership the partnership. So if Moses got the Ten Commandments in the morning and David prepared for Goliath in the morning and Joshua defeated Jericho in the morning and the Son of God woke up early in the morning and if Abraham decided to make the sacrifice of his only son and consecrate himself to God in the morning and Gideon became a warrior that delivered Israel in the morning, what could possibly happen if the people in this room actually decided to shift around 
their life. Maybe wake up a little earlier. Maybe shift their exercise to another time. Maybe move some things around. Maybe deprive themselves of just a little bit more sleep. Maybe not watch quite as many shows the night before and said, I'm going to do this. First, I'm going to leave everyone and everything else behind. I'm going to find my desolate place and I am going to cultivate a partnership with God. What would happen if you and I actually collectively believed that the temperature of your day is set in the first 60 minutes, I'll tell you what would happen. What would happen is your life would be progressively transformed in a dramatic way. And then our life as a church would be completely transformed in a supernatural and explosive way. My little own personal poll, as I talk to people week in and week out at City Church, I've found, this would be my estimation, that maybe, just maybe, 20% of the people in this church have actually practiced this on an ongoing basis. You know what I want to see? What would happen if it were 100%? Not all time is created equal. Four points can make you MVP. You do this first. You do this in pursuit of God. You find your place and you cultivate this partnership and it changes every decision you make and the lens in which you see life through. Now, I know you have a good reason for not doing it. Justin, oh my, I got to be at work at five and you don't understand. I work. Da, 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 da. I know, I know, I know. I know you got a good reason. Consider asking God to give you a strategy to get around your reason. Consider asking God to enable you to do this in spite of your good reason. I believe God has greater victory over sin in our lives. I've got, I believe God has a greater revelation of his love for us. I believe that God has a greater confidence in his will for us. So I want to give you today a real specific challenge. Real specific challenge, okay? Over the next 30 days, starting tomorrow morning, I want to encourage you to take 30 days every morning, first thing, to walk with us through the Gospel of John and the book of Acts. It's not a lot of reading. You could probably read it all seven, eight minutes. One chapter, maybe two chapters a day. Of course, you could spend hours if you'd like, but it's not a lot of reading. And I know that many of us maybe already have a Bible reading plan or something that we're doing. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you for 30 days just to pause it, okay? Jesus still loves you, all right? It's not a law. There's a, there's a, not a lot of law. It's just a principle, okay? I'm pausing mine. I'm in the middle of the book of Revelation right now, and I'm like, Pretty psyched that I get to pause that because it's been kind of intense. And so I'm going to shift out of Revelation for a few uh, weeks, for, for, for 30 days, and I am going to walk with you through this. I've asked all the elders, and they've said, yes, they're going to do it. I've had all the people on our lead staff, and they've said, yes, they're going to do it. And so many people have already said, we're doing this. Here's what my desire is. My desire is that 100% of us at City Church, at every location, would actually say, you know what? I've made excuses for so long. I've tried a thousand times and failed. I kind of have the, I'm going to have time with God when I drive to work mentality. I am going to get up a little early earlier, not take a shower, not exercise until, I'm still advocating for showers and exercise, until I have time with God. How long? Here's my suggestion in the how long field. Longer than you are now. All right? So if you're at zero minutes every morning and spending time with God, go for 10 minutes with God. Okay? Maybe you already spend 30 minutes with God. Try spending 40 minutes with God. In the morning, dedicated, set aside, maybe an hour. You seek the Lord on that, but I encourage you, spend more time than you are now. 
The next three weeks, I'm going to give you really three specific challenges. You can pull out that little card. The challenges are on there. You got it when you walked in. It says Game Changer. There's three cards. Go ahead and pull that out. And uh, the challenges are on there, so you get to kind of look ahead and not come to church if you don't want to hear about those things. But, uh, but I will tell you this. that It's going to get hotter in here, all right? Next week and the following week are going to be even more intense. But I also am convinced of this, that if we apply these three principles, it will, by the Spirit, propel this church into greater spiritual awakening than we've ever seen in our history. I'm convinced of that, that now is the time, that this is the era, that this is the hour, that we are going to see something that people write history books about in Jesus' name over the next few years, and God's doing something even right now to prepare us for that. But it's just little changes that make a big difference. It's just four points in the beginning of the game that shift the whole outcome of a championship. Just little things. If the band wants to come out, we're going to sing a song in just a second. But here's your challenge for today. 30 days of time with God in the morning. 30 days of time with God in the morning. Let me give you the specifics of that. We're going to walk through a, uh, a 30-day Bible reading plan that somebody already created. It's, a, it's created by the ministry known as Jesus Culture. They created this 30-day Bible reading plan, and we're going to encourage you to do it with us, okay? It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward, and there's a number of different ways you can interact with this plan, so let me get real practical on you for just a second. Uh, throw the first one up there. If you're an internet guy and you want to jump on the web, you can go on the web to Bible.com. Search for Jesus Culture, click Plans, and then find Jesus Culture Bible Challenge, a 30-day journey, okay? And that's how you can interact with this Bible reading plan. We'll also be posting it online on our blog, ourcitychurch.org, every day, a new post that you can process through and walk through, okay? So starting tomorrow morning is what we're encouraging you to do. If you're more of a smartphone person, there's an app for this. Just uh, on your phone, download the Bible app if you haven't already from version. And search plans for Jesus Culture. Find the Jesus Culture Bible Challenge, a 30-day journey. Drop it down onto your phone, and you can start following along. I'm doing this. My wife is doing... You're going to do this? Okay, good. My wife is doing this. John's doing this. All right? Our leadership team's doing this. I urge you... You're doing this? You can do it? All right, he's doing it. All right, so Pete's in. We're just going to start recruiting right now. Joey, how you feeling? He's, all right, he's, he's downloading right now. Done. Danielle? whole band's doing this. Bam. Band's cool. They're doing it. You should do it too. Peer pressure. What was I talking about? Oh, the app. Yeah, so drop it on your phone. The app. Now, if you're like a real paper pen guy, what we decided to do is just give you the basics of the plan as you leave this morning, okay? This is just the daily reading. So you'll get this in a piece of paper uh, as you go if this is more functional for you. Okay, so online or on our website or on an app on your phone or on a piece of paper, we're getting you any way we can, all right? We want you to consider doing this with us. Consider making it priority. I do this first. Consider making it the great pursuit of your life. I leave everything and everyone else behind. Consider finding a place, that desolate place where you can meet with God. And consider developing this partnership where we continue the conversation. Other things you can do if you're new to this. Other things you can do is you can take those eight prayers that we prayed through the Beatitudes, and you can practice that in your time alone with God. You can pray the Our Father back to God. But I encourage you, whatever you do, the first 60 minutes of your day have a temperature-setting power for the next 23. And you can ignore the principle, or you can embrace it and maximize it. Would you stand on your feet with me? Before you leave today, that little card that we... Uh, I just referenced a second ago, I encourage you to sign it. That's for you, okay? That's for you. But signing your name does something on the inside to say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Now, what happens if you miss a day? Well, if you miss a day, God hates you, all right? 
you miss a day, make it up. Just read it, okay? It's okay. He loves you. If you miss a day, make don't beat yourself up. Just get back on track and keep reading. Keep seeking God. Keep studying. I want to take the next three or four minutes to sing a song. And as we sing it, we're just going to take time to let God do something in our heart. Because here's what I believe. The challenges are going to get more intense next week and the week after. All right? And so this is like the introductory challenge. But I want to encourage you right now to make the decision in your own heart to say yes. To say yes to God. To say yes to the next level of what he has for you. God didn't call you to stay the same. And if you're going to stick around City Church, we're going to keep pushing you to go deeper, farther, and greater. Okay? You're not going to stay where you are. So we just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing until all that God has for you explodes out. All right? And so it's our, my desire that even right now, you start to say yes. You're gonna, this song says, you call me out on the water. God, I'm going to risk things. God, I'm going to change things. God, I'm going to shift things. I don't have the discipline in myself, but not by power or by might, but by your spirit, I can do this. I can begin to grow. I can begin to grow. And so I want to challenge you today. Get on board. If it's your first time here, hey, get on board. It's good. If you're not even a follower of Jesus, I know that there's probably some here every week that come already. Three people gave their lives to Christ last night at our Saturday night service. Awesome. But if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I want to encourage you. That's the most important choice you can make. But I encourage you, begin this Bible reading plan too. We have a Bible for you for free as you leave at the welcome table. And I encourage you, take one and begin this Bible reading plan because God will speak to you too. He loves you. So let's take just another three or four minutes and we're going to sing this song. I want you to sing it from your heart and just take some time to process with Jesus and just say, God, I'm ready for the next level. I'm going to seek you like I've never sought you before. And here's what I'm believing for, that as we sing, a spiritual hunger will be imparted in the hearts of every person here and that 100% of us will have a greater desire for God than when we walked in this room. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. For more information and resources, visit www.ourcitychurch.org.